Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Kevin Vanderput. All right, thank you very much. Um, you can all have a seat. Thank you for that. Um, right, how you all doing this morning? Still good? It's great, it's great. I'm a bit chilly, I don't know why. So, oh. Anyways, um, so we've been in a series as a church that we have called Living a Next Steps Life. And we've been looking at how to live a next step life as a worshipper. And um, how, many can, how many of you can remember some of the weeks we've been looking at different subjects, different things? Just shout out at me, anything that pops to your mind that we've been looking at? Being a people of prayer, yeah, living as a worshiper in our prayer. What else? Relationships. relationships, yes, we've been looking at how to live as a worshiper in our relationships. Yeah, praising God through hard times, that's great. Man, this is working. You guys are on it. Um, so we still continue in that series. And um, before I tell you what we're going to speak about today, I want you to remember, I think it was the second week of this series, we did Living with an Abundant Mindset. And um, basically what we shared through that, remember the cookies, there's more where that came from. We had like little cookies and we were giving away cookies and basically saying that God's desire is always to bless us. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be uh, thriving in life. He wants to bless you. That's his nature, so he cannot change. God is not a man that he shall change. So he wants us to live a blessed life, a life of more than enough, because we called to be a blessing to others. So let's remember that as we go through this week and we talk about um, what we're going to talk about. But let's, we're going to take it from that aspect of God wants to bless you. And this week we're going to look at how to live a life of a worshipper through our finances. Um, so finances is an interesting subject, money, finances. Some people love it, some people hate it, some people uh, don't have a clue about it and uh, some of you might already have switched off. <laughs> um, but let's not, let's not switch off because that subject is actually not going away. Money is an essential part of our society, of our world today and actually it's a central part of God's word. It's the second most taught on subject that Jesus, that Jesus taught on throughout the New Testament, right after the kingdom. So it's not going away. It's important. And it's important that we get God's heart behind it. In Proverbs 3, 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. The key here, as I just mentioned, is that God wants to bless us. He wants to Give us more than we can handle. Give us more than we can take. That's his heart. But he wants us to honor him with our wealth. So based on that verse, God has no issue getting wealth to us. The main question then is, can he get it through us? Can he trust us to actually become a blessing with the finances that he has given us? Because God has chosen to work through you, through me, here on earth, and if we are going to be a channel of his blessing and goodness, well, he needs to be able to trust us with wealth. So there is nothing wrong with desiring wealth as long as it is to bless others and further the work of the kingdom. That's why like tithes and offerings that we just did earlier, they're a great test of the heart. 
because there's nothing that tests the heart quite like money. And um, so, yeah, we have plenty of opportunity over time for God to test that again and again with the tithe and the offering. So the tithe is what we're going to focus on today. The offering is what is beyond and above the tithe. And um, we're going to do a series on that in the new year about stewardship and all of it. And we'll look at that more in details. But today we're going to focus on the tithe. So can God get finances through us? So the first thing we're going to look at, as I said, is the tithe. Now, I want to say this right off the bat. We as a church, Kingdom Faith, are not after your money, right? Let's get that out of the way. We are not doing this so that we can get more money. And if at any point you feel manipulated into this or you feel pressured into giving, then don't. Because tithes are an act of worship. It needs to come out of a revelation that actually I get to give to God. It's a privilege to be able to give to God. We've been looking at how to live as a worshiper. Well, our tithe is an act of worship to the Lord. So ask God today for that revelation. But don't give because you feel pressured into this. And we give Because giving is a biblical principle. It's not a law thing or an Old Testament thing. Let's get that one out of the way as well. Uh, Because a lot of people say, well, tithing is under the Old Testament. Now we are in the New Testament. So we don't really need to do that. Actually, tithing is a biblical thing. It's not an Old Testament thing. It's actually mentioned in the New Testament. Um, There's a verse in Matthew 23. Verse 23, it says, um, let me find the verse. I'm missing a page. Look at that. My pages are not in order. It says, there you go. I got it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out in that but swallow a camel. What uh, uh, an analogy there. But what Jesus is saying through that is you guys are tithing. Basically, you give a tenth of everything that is coming out of your land of, of, of that. And it's great. But you don't practice mercy, justice, love, faithfulness, all of those other things. And Jesus is saying, don't stop tithing, but practice justice, love and mercy and all of that. So Jesus is basically saying in the the New Testament, keep tithing. So it is a principle that is biblical and all over the scriptures. Now, I want to read a little story to you. You all know I love a good story. This one's found in 2 Chronicles 31. So if you want to get your Bible, if you want to turn there, we're going to read it together. I'll leave you time to get there. While you get there, I'll give you a bit of context. 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 31. What is happening? Basically, there's a big cleanup going on in the land. Uh, king Hezekiah is in charge and his dad was a really bad king. If, if God wanted to take the nation this way, uh, his dad did everything the opposite. <laughs> he did everything to drive the nation uh, from God. So Hezekiah is now in charge. Um, his dad passed away and he became king. And he's trying to put things in order. 
clean up the land. So in the chapters previous to the 31, uh, he comes into power and he turns things around. He's repairing the doors of the temple. He's putting the priests back in place. He's putting the Jewish festivals back in place. And he's saying to everyone in the land, come and celebrate the goodness of the Lord. Let's give our offerings to God. Let's praise him together. And let's really put God back at the center of our nation. So he's doing great stuff like he should get a star or something. You know, he's doing great. And we find ourselves after those celebration in chapter 31. And that's the next step. Basically, they all celebrated. And he's like, now let me tell you what we're going to do next. So we're going to start reading chapter 31. It says, when all this had ended, the Israelites who were there went out to the towns of Judah, smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. They destroyed the high places and the altars throughout Judah and Benjamin and in Ephraim and Manasseh. After they had destroyed all of them, the Israelites returned to their own towns and to their own property. Now what's happening there? They're finishing off the job, yeah? All the other gods, they were praising and stuff. They realized this is not good. So they're destroying all of it, they put in back order in the land, as I said. Now we keep reading. Hezekiah assigned the priests and Levites to divisions, each of them according to the duties as priests or Levites, to offer burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, to minister, to give thanks, and to sing praise, praises at the gates of the Lord's dwelling. The king contributed from his own possessions for the morning and evening burnt offerings and for the burnt offerings on the Sabbath, the new moon, and at the appointed festivals written in the law of the Lord. He ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give portion due to the priests and Levites so they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the order went out, now here comes the important part. As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, olive oil, honey, and all that the fields produced. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. The people of Israel and Judah who lived in the towns of Judah also brought a tithe of their herds and flocks and a tithe of the holy things dedicated to the Lord their God. And they piled them in heaps. They began doing this in the third month and finished in the seventh month. When Hezekiah and his officials came and saw the heaps, they praised the Lord and blessed his people Israel. Hezekiah, the king, asked the priests and Levites about the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest from the family of Zadok, answered, Since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare, because the Lord has blessed his people and this great amount is left over. Hezekiah gave order to prepare storerooms in the temple of the Lord, and this was done. Then they faithfully brought in their contributions, tithes, and dedicated gifts. Now, what is this passage talking about then? There's a lot in there. But what is Hezekiah giving order for? He's saying to the people, hey, guys, here's the next step. Let's all bring our tithe, a part of our earnings to the Lord, according to the law we've been given. He wants that to be put in place. Your first fruits, bring them to the house of the Lord. Here's the most important principles when it comes to our finances. Honors what the, honor what the word of the Lord says about it. It's just as simple as that. Everything that the word of God says, 
Let's do it. And his word says, tithe, the first 10% of all income because it belongs to God. Now, how many of you know that actually everything belongs to God? Everything that we have, everything that we are is because of him, is through him, is by his power, is by his life. We no longer live, but Christ lives in us. It's through him that we are living. Everything is for God and from God. Everything good, everything good comes out from God, it says as well in the word. So we know everything that we have is because of him. But when it comes to finances, God actually says, here's 90%. Give, take it, take that, keep that. I give you stewardship over that. It's up to us to steward the finances. But he says, I require the first 10% to myself. So that's the principle. But there's a couple of things I want to take out of that story that will help us understand and explain tithing. So firstly, it's God's blessing. Now remember how I said we should remind ourselves of God's nature. He wants to bless us. It's who he is. So at the end of the story it says, Since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare because the Lord has blessed his people and this great amount is left over. So basically the king comes back after a while and he sees this heap of stuff. And he's like, wow, the people have been faithful in giving. This is awesome. The priests go like, no, 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 mate. <laughs> this is not it. That's the leftovers. We got plenty more. We, we can't contain it anymore. What you're seeing is what God has blessed and multiplied is the leftovers. We've had plenty to eat, plenty. We, we can't do we don't know what to do with it all anymore. It's God's blessing. When we, they started doing things God's way and tithing everything, God multiplied and gave above and beyond to what they could take. They lived in abundance. That's right. That's right. Because when we obey God's word and do it his way, he is faithful to bless us. What a wonderful God. And it says actually in Micah, let me read you this one because they connect together. It says in Micah, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. It's actually one of the only areas where God says, test me in this, if not the only one, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, what did the Israelites do as a result, the king sees all of that. And what does he say? What does he say? What does he say? He says, Ezekiah gave orders to prepare storerooms. Prepare storerooms. Now, what, the, what does the Micah say? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Basically, the promise there in Micah is fulfilled in that other passage. They have so much they don't know what to do with. So the king's like, we got to make storerooms and we got to fill that. And when that is filled, well, we'll make more. Prepare storerooms. That is the word that, that is given in Micah, a promise from God. And it's the same, still valid for us today. And the first step to seeing that happen is giving our tithe. We bring the tithe into the house of the Lord, as it says in that passage. What's the house of the Lord? It's your church. You bring your tithe to your church, to the place where you are being fed, where you receive, when you meet, where you meet God. That's where you bring those 10%. And what is the 10%? 10% of our income. 10% of the first fruit. So before any deduction, before any taxes, we give 10%, the first 10%. And here's the other principle, is the first 
10%. There's a principle of first that goes through the whole Bible. It's everywhere. What's the story telling us? Again, in verse 5 in the Second Chronicles, it says, As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, olive oil, and honey, and all that the field produced. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. What does it say? The first fruits. It's the principle of first that is key. It's a work throughout the whole word. God needs to be first in our lives. We know it in every area. God doesn't settle for second. He wants to be first. And it's the same in our finances. The first 10% of everything we own goes to the Lord. In Romans 11 verse 16, I'll read it for you. It says, if the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Here's the consequence. When we give God the first 10%, then the other 90% are set apart. They're holy. They're made holy by God. They are blessed. They are protected. There's God's hand upon it. When we tithe the first 10%, 90% become holy and 90% can accomplish more than 100% not blessed by God. That's the beauty of it. The world will tell you if you give away, you have less. God tells you, give away to me in the first 10% and I will give you more than what you can expect and, and, and take in. It's the first 10%, a tithe of everything. Then everything else is holy, blessed set apart if the part of the dough offered as first fruit is holy then the whole batch is holy if the root is holy so are the branches if our first 10 percent are given to god it makes our whole finances our whole money that income blessed and holy set apart holy just means set apart by god set apart for god so that's what it is let me show you how important this is to god in genesis 4 um, it's the story of Abel and Cain, and we all know um, the story. It's a very famous story in the Bible. Um, and in chapter 4, at the beginning of chapter 4, they both bring an offering to God. Okay? So let's, uh, I'll just read it out. Um, you don't have to turn there. Just listen. Um, now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Now, how come God looked favorably upon one and not upon the other? What, what, is, what is the difference? They both brought an offering. They both want to honor God in some way or the other. Why does God look favorably upon one and not the other? Well, let's look at the details of the wording of this story. If we look at what Cain did, it says, verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soul as an offering to God. So in the course of time means it's not the first thing he did, right? And some of the fruits means it's not the best. It's not the first fruits that he brought. Now, what did Abel do? As an offering, he brought the fat portions of the animal, the best of his animal, of the firstborn of his flock. 
Now, how many of you know, if you know anything about like uh, uh, farming and taking care of animals and all of that, if the animal has a, a, a baby, a little one, and you have to offer it to the Lord, you don't know if that animal is going to bear again. You don't know if that's going to, if he's going to produce more. If a sheep makes... Uh, it gives a little baby sheep. I don't know how you call them. Um, a lamb. Yeah, exactly. A lamb. Thank you. Um, you don't know if he's going to bear more lambs in the future. So you're offering that to God as a first, not knowing what's going to happen. You place your trust there. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's my next point. But basically what is happening is that Abel offered the best to God, the firstborn of his flock. Cain was like, huh? In the course of time, he thought some of his fruits were good enough for God and he did an offering. It wasn't good enough for God. God wants our best. He wants our first fruit. Can you see that difference? Cain did not bring the first fruit from the land, the best to God. Simply the course of time, throughout his harvest, he thought, mm, let's give an offering to the Lord. And that makes all the difference. If it's not the first, God doesn't want it. God doesn't want it. And he's not going to bless it. And tithing is an act of faith. As I was getting ahead of myself, that's what happened when we say, God, here's my first 10%. We place our trust and faith in God to provide. We place, we place our trust and faith in him to multiply, to take care of our finances. He is the one who blesses our finances. He is the one who said earlier in Micah, test me in this. And see if I do not open the floodgates of heaven. Fill your storehouses until you cannot take it anymore. So the responsibility is on him. We have to do our part, which is give that first 10%. Of course, we just steward our finances, right? And as I said, we'll do a series on that in the new year. Uh, you're more than welcome to uh, come back for that. Uh, <laughs> but, but here we want to focus solely on the, on the tithe. So God is not saying, hey, just give me any 10%. Because our trust is placed where our money goes first. If, 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 if our first 10% of our income goes to the mortgage company or, or, or the visa card or, or whoever bills we pay in our savings account, then our trust is in that. I need to put more on the savings account because, because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how life's going to turn out. So I need to accumulate there just in case for a rainy day and all of that. I'm not saying don't put money on a savings account. That is not what I'm saying. But if we put our first 10% to God, then we're saying, God, I trust you you to provide. Here's a big one for guys especially. I'm not the provider in my house. God is. I know as, as guys we have this, I need to provide, I need to make sure we got money, I need to make sure we're taken care of, I need to make sure the kids can eat, I need to make sure all of that. Yes, there's stewardship in that, but I'm not the provider in my house, God is. Because I trust him with my finances, I place everything with the first 10%. I say, hey God, you the provider in my house and see if he doesn't multiply your finances. When we first came here, um, we arrived here four years ago as uh, students in a Bible college, me and Sharon, my wife. And uh, we, we came here as a huge step of faith. We, we didn't have anything. We sold everything back home and we lived in Belgium um, to come here. And, uh, and we had to pay the whole year of Bible college. And then we had to pay another year of Bible college. And, uh, and, and, and all of it was just like a lot. 
But we had said, even though we don't earn anything, we, don't, we didn't have any income because we were students, we said, okay, God, anything that's going to come in, we're still going to tithe it. We're still going to give 10% to you. The first, as soon as it comes in, there's going to be a transfer that goes to the church because that's where we are being fed. Throughout, well, and still to this day, we have never lacked anything. No matter what it looked like in numbers on the bank account, we have seen envelopes come in through the door with cash. We've seen unexpected bank transfers from accounts we have no idea about. We, we've seen all of those things, gifts come in of things we needed and we didn't tell anybody and suddenly there's a bag in front of the door and we look in and it's like, oh, it's all that we need today. Like, it's that sort of thing. God is faithful because he will honor. He is faithful to his word. If he says it in his word, he cannot do anything otherwise so if we honor him with that first 10 percent, then God is faithful to bring more and more and above and beyond but you know what's the best bit about all of this is that God didn't wait for us to do it God showed us the example he tithed first Jesus is actually God's tithe to the world he gave the best of heaven in order to redeem us. He gave his one and only son, his perfect son, his first, his best, so that we could be redeemed. Amen. And he did it as an act of faith. As I was saying, tithing is an act of faith because it's not like I pay every bill, I do everything I have to have, and if I have anything left, I might give it to the church, I might give it to God. No, it's the first thing we do. God did it first. He didn't wait for us to be holy to say, hey, Jesus, we want you. And then he said, well, they want me. So, Jesus, why don't you go down to earth and do all the things? No, he did it first. Romans says in hope that we would turn to him. That hope there, the root word is faith. So in faith that we would turn to him. He didn't wait for us to be worthy. We got a song about that. Um, but he did it first. Jesus was God's tithe. I want to show you that through one last verse. It says in Exodus 13, you can turn this, uh, chapter 13, verse 12 and 13. It's all about um, laying out, okay, how to give and where to give and all of that. And through that, that passage, it says then, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. Now you might be thinking, Kevin, what are you reading there? Like, how does that make any sense? Donkeys, lamb, break the neck. <laughs> What's happening? Well, when I first realized this, it was such a powerful revelation for me. Um, there's a pastor in the States, Robert Morris. He, he puts it this way. He explains it really well. And he says... In that verse, God is saying that we give the first of every womb, the first offspring of every womb. So through that verse, we can see that according to scriptures as well, every first is either sacrificed or redeemed. See how we need to sacrifice a lamb in order to redeem a donkey? So there's two choices. The first is either going to be sacrificed or redeemed. No other option. But it says if you don't redeem it, you got to break its neck. What is it saying? If you don't redeem it, you lose it anyway. If you don't give your tithe, you're going to lose it anyway. It's going to be spent. It's going to get lost. If you don't do this, you're going to lose it anyway. So how did you know which one to do? 
How do you know when to sacrifice? How do you know when to redeem? Like, how does this work? Well, in Jewish culture, the donkey represents an unclean animal. The lamb represents a clean animal. What God is saying through there is everything that's clean needs to be sacrificed so that the unclean can be redeemed. See where I'm going with this. Jesus was born clean, wasn't he? We as sinners were born unclean. Jesus had to be sacrificed so that we could be redeemed. God gave first. He gave the first, the best of heaven, God's tithe. He sacrificed him on a cross so that we, the unclean, could be redeemed. It's the same principle at work. Jesus is God's tithe. And because of it, we now in this room, everywhere around the world, can be redeemed. We're no longer unclean. We can belong to God, have that relationship with him. God tithed first in faith, in faith that we would worship him, turn to him, that we would live for him. Our tithe is actually an expression of worship because every time we tithe, we respond to heaven. We respond to God's tithing first. We respond to Jesus being on a cross, taking everything upon himself for us, making a way. Every time we tithe, we respond to heaven. See, the initiative always lies with God. We say that when it comes to prayer. We say that when it comes to worship. We listen to the Holy Spirit. Then we release stuff in prayer. So the initiative is with God. is the same with our finances. The initiative lies with God. God gave Jesus in faith. He gave the best of heaven to earth so that we could be with him. And tithe is the best of earth given back to heaven. And what's the best of earth? Our first fruits. It's that principle of first over and over again. It's such a powerful picture. God did it all for us. He didn't wait for us to be worthy. That is why we say every Sunday, hey, we're about to take our tithe and offering. We say it in a nice voice. And, and it's an act of worship. That's why we sing while we do it. That's why it is all part of our worship. That's why we're doing this series, living as a worshiper. Because worship isn't just here, standing on Sunday with hands raised saying praise God. Worship is your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, when you talk to your colleagues, when you represent God wherever you go, when you pay your mortgage bills, when you do all the finance stuff, how you handle your relationships. It is all worship to God or can become worship to God depending on how we do it. God wants us to be blessed. And the first, I, 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 I worked around this all week long. I was like, maybe we need to ease into this subject and just say, hey, God wants to bless you and give tons of example of how God blessed the people and stuff. And, but actually, I came to the conclusion, if I want to talk about finance, if we're really serious about doing this as a church, I'm doing you a massive disservice if I'm not telling you, hey, tithing is the foundation of it all. Tithing, when it comes to finances, is your foundation of your beautiful house. It, we cannot go around it because it is the beginning and, and it, will, it is what will then in, it just uh, unlock God's blessing through everything. 
God doesn't need your money. He's fine. He can provide. He can multiply. He can do it all. But you need God's blessing in your life. You need God to multiply because God's calling us to be a blessing to the world. How can we be a blessing financially to others if we don't have enough for ourselves? We need more and above so that he can work through us and release that money to us, through us. That's why we come back to this very first question. The question is not, can God get wealth to you? The question is, can God get wealth, can God get wealth through you? We're not here to accumulate materialistic things but we're here and God wants to bless us so that we can become a blessing to others there's always a soda so I just want to finish with prayer so if we just bow our heads close our eyes and and let's just that let's just let that sink in for a second because I think this is this is just such a key and there's nothing that tests our hearts quite like money Some people are reckless with it. Some people save it all and live like they have nothing. I don't know where you stand on it. But there's a principle in God's word and we cannot avoid it. We tithe as an act of worship. We don't do it because of the law. We do it because God loved us and he tithed Jesus. He did it first by faith and as a response, we want to tithe to you. We want God's blessing. We want God's best for us, don't we? We want God's blessing upon our finances as well. We want to live as worshippers and apply his word in our finances. So Father, I thank you. I thank you because you are faithful in every circumstances. You are not a man that you should lie, your word says. So every word in there that we've read, every passage, every scripture is truth and it is valid today. Father, I thank you, Lord, that as we make that resolution or as we continue to give, if we've already been tithing, as we are faithful in this, Father, you are faithful in multiplying, in blessing, in opening the storehouses. Father, I thank you that you will prove yourself as people start doing this. You will prove yourself as we honor you through our finances. And if you've already been giving and you've already been faithful in giving your tithe, uh, your 10%, your first fruit, do it first. If you haven't been doing it first, there is grace. But there is something about doing it first. As soon as the money comes in, that's the first place it goes, is the tithe. Because it sets the other 90% apart. But God, I thank you, Lord. Because you are good. And these principles are there for us to prosper because you have good plans for us. Plans to prosper, not to harm us. Plans for us to have a hope and a future in you. And Father, I just pray that we would be generous people. Because you give to us so that we could be a blessing to others. And Father, we don't give to get, but we get to give. It's a privilege. We don't give because we know we're going to get more. But we get to give as an act of worship so that we can give more and more and more. Father, make us a generous people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. I know it's not an easy subject to talk about, but... It is so important. And actually in the word, it doesn't say let's give our tithe. 
It says bring your tithe. Why doesn't it say give? Because we can't give what, we, what doesn't belong to us. We bring our tithe because it, it doesn't even belong to us. It belongs to God. So we say give, but actually in the word it says bring. Let's bring our tithes to God because it never belonged to us anyway. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.